The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Out and turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and I don't need you to answer this, but I want to ask you a question to think about. Do you ever get mad at the devil? Now, with that, uh, I think a lot of times we get mad at individuals. Uh, I think we get mad at God sometimes, but... Do we ever think about Satan? Do we ever really get mad at him? I, I've preached a lot of messages, and uh, uh, I got to thinking about what I mainly preach on, and uh, I try to preach the whole Word of God, and I've always tried to do that, and I've preached a lot on our relationship with God and with each other. Uh, I, we've been preaching about God's blessings for about the last two and a half months. We've uh, We've talked about what God desires for us, His love, His peace, His blessings, uh, We've talked about his hope and uh, the hope that we have in Christ, and all of those things are true to his word, and all of them are right. Uh, But, you know, we don't talk much about Satan, and we don't talk much about uh, the battle that goes on, and I think uh, that's probably right up Satan's alley, and most of the time we don't even want to hear that. We kind of want to tune out any kind of ideal about Satan and uh, any kind of teachings about that, and I don't think we do that just... uh, Purposely, but that's just not of that popular of a subject anymore. And over in Ephesians chapter 6, and <clears throat> down in verse 10, we're not going to read all of that right now, but through the, the morning and over the next few weeks, we're going to do that. Paul is writing, and he's writing about a spiritual battle. And we're going to start a, a five-week series, kind of a, a month, a little over a month on on this ideal about a spiritual battle, and the battle is the Lord's. That's the good news. And Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Now, if you have your Bibles and you don't mind marking in them, I hope you don't, then I would encourage you this morning to take a pen out and and underline or circle or highlight His power. Because when we think about these spiritual battles and the armor of God... Paul says we can be strong in the Lord, but we're strong in the Lord through His mighty power, not through our power. And that's what we're going to look at. And uh, today, as we think about this, we're going to start with our awareness of the battle. And and we're going to talk this morning. This is kind of the introductory uh, message towards this Battle is the Lord's series. And uh, we're going to look at our adversary, and we're going to look at some different ways that we defeat the enemy, but today we're just going to talk about our awareness. There was a boxer who was there in the ring, and he was just getting pummeled by the guy he was boxing, and he was battered, and he was bruised, and between rounds, as he went to his corner, he he told his trainer, throw in the towel. This guy is killing me. And the trainer says, no, he's not. He's, he's barely even laid a hand on you. And, and the boxer said, well, you need to keep an eye on the ref because somebody's beating me to death out here. And uh, we're in a war. And sometimes it, we may not even realize it. It's not a physical battle like goes, in the world, goes on in the world today, but it's a spiritual battle. There's a war that we're in that has tremendous consequences and as we think about those consequences, unfortunately, many people don't believe or don't recognize that the war they're in is, is their lives are beaten, they're battered, they're being bruised, and, and unfortunately, uh, they don't even realize who's throwing the punches. Uh, is it the other boxers? Is it the referee? Where do all of these punches come, come from? And how do I know that? And, and if you'd say, how do we know? Just look around. 
You know, I, I watch old uh, I watch old shows and I use old illustrations because I'm getting old. I was telling them last night the first time. I've got to tell you all this, and hopefully we won't run out of time. I haven't really been been told I was old till Friday. And the guy, we was, I went and I was buying a baler, and the guy had six rolls of uh, net wrap, and and uh, we were gonna. He was, he said, this goes with it. So we went out there to load them up. Well. Well, I just went out there, and Jacob was there with me, my son, and uh, I started picking one. He said, oh, no, 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 you don't need to do that. Me and him will get it. We're young. <laughs> and I said, what do you think I am? You know, <laughs> we're young. And, and uh, so I kind of stepped back, and I thought, well, I can do that. And I picked up the next one. He goes, no, 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 Mr. Vaughn, leave that. We'll get that. <laughs> I'm like, okay, get after it. And who do you think's going to unload it? You know, come on over to the house. But, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're getting old, so my illustrations may be low. But you remember in the Annie Griffith show, Barney Fife, surely y'all all know Barney. And during one of the episodes, Barney was uh, was walking. You know, he's always to the T with the law, and he... Uh, he saw the, the, the storekeepers, one of his employees, sweeping the, the, the trash out on the curb of the street. And he, he said, now, I've told you before that not to sweep the trash out on the street. And, and he says, oh, yeah, yeah, deputy, I, I remember. He, well, I'm going to give you a ticket this time. And, and uh, they, hey, they had a few words there, and, and Barney gave him a ticket. And he said, okay, I'm going to pay this ticket, but if I ever catch you out of that uniform... I'm going to beat the tar out of you. And so, so Bar- Barney had a salt and pepper suit, you know, and they were going to have a dance, and he took it to the cleaners. He wouldn't pick it up and wouldn't pick it up, and he wore his uniform day and night and over and over, and Andy started saying, why are you wearing your uniform? You know, well, do you have a problem with me wearing my uniform? No. And, you know, he just went on and on and on, and, and finally Andy figured out what was going on, and, and uh, Barney had been in trying to take uh, karate lessons, and the instructor said, oh, don't let Barney fight. The guy will kill him. He's terrible at that. And, and for Barney, it was a whole lot easier for him just to wear his uniform and avoid the bully than it was for him to learn how to defeat him. He, he decided, hey, instead of facing this, I, I'm just going to try to avoid it. But everywhere he went, there was that bully. There was his enemy before him. And, and the truth is, too many Christians find it easier to avoid the bully than to really figure out how to defeat him. And we need to understand, remember this first ideal and this first message is, is awareness. We need to be aware that there is, a, there is an enemy out there. And, and that enemy is all the way, all time trying to attack us and is attacking us. And, and if we're going to succeed in this war, then we need to have a, a process and we need to have an awareness of the reality of the war and the various elements of the war. So what I want to talk about this day is I want to talk about different, different awarenesses and different elements that we deal with in this spiritual warfare that we're in. Now, the enemy of the battle is this. Ephesians 6, 11, and 12 says this, Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of this dark, of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So the first thing is we think about the, the various elements of this spiritual battle. Our enemy is Satan. 
Now over in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, Luke says this, And I saw them, he said to them, Christ speaking, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Now, Jesus is talking about this, and we're going to go into greater detail about Satan in a a week or two, but Satan was God's highest, listen, created being. Okay, did you realize that? That God had created Satan, but when God created Satan, he was one of the most beautiful angels. And the problem came is Satan decided he wanted to be greater than God. So as he was in heaven and he was with God, he, he said, I'm going to be greater than God. And God cast him out of heaven. That's where we see in Luke ten eighteen, I saw Satan. He fell from heaven like lightning. When he fell, he became the prince of this earth. And, and I don't have time to go into all of that right now, but we'll talk more about it in the future. And, and so we live in kind of the domain of Satan right now, this earth. And he's the prince of this earth. Now, he's not the ruler, but he's the prince of this earth in this, this heavenly region that we live in. Now, here's the interesting thing. Why are we doing this? A survey, 62% of people agreed that Satan is not a living being, but only a symbol of evil. So when you say Satan, you're just talking about a symbol of some kind. Now, I don't know how many people's here this morning, but, but 52%, so, so if we were saying we fit into the average, which I hope we don't and don't think we do, half of the people here this morning that are born-again Christians deny that Satan even exists. That's among Christians. They say, I don't even think there is a Satan. I don't think Satan even exists. 72% of Catholics deny the existence of Satan. So when it comes to religion, and not just religion, when it comes to born-again Christians, there's a great number of people that don't even believe that there is a Satan. So we need to be aware, and that's why we're talking about this awareness. Here's the second thing we need to be aware of. There's principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness. These are demons. That's what we see here in Ephesians chapter 6. <coughs> I think the, the world has made so much uh, movie and so much... Uh, I can't think about the, the, the best word to describe. We've seen so much on TV about evil and Satan and demons that, that it becomes more of a fantasy. It becomes more of something that, that we say, well, it's not really out there. That's just something that we've kind of made up. But according to Paul here, we have that battle against powers, against rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So these principalities, these powers, these rulers of darkness, those are angels who fell with Satan. They're, they're kind of his foot soldiers. And so as, as God cast, cast Satan out of heaven and, and Satan had these followers that went with him, well, they're at work today, much like the Holy Spirit of God works within us. As we, as we come to church and as, as we're convicted about something or we hear the Word of God and it begins to move us, that's the, the Spirit of God moving within our heart. Well, Satan has these, these uh, demons that are working just much like the Holy Spirit against us and against Christ. And, and they can be rage and anger and lust and dissension and lying and greed and all of these different things. But, but that's part of Satan's tools. Now, here's the problem. Our enemy is Satan. We need to be aware of that. But not only do we need to be aware of that, we need to realize that he has an ambition. His ambition is this, and this is what we've talked about over the last couple of months. The thief, Satan, he comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. 
Well, what does that mean? And I, I think in, we, can, we can put this in relationships. We can put this in, in a relationship between fathers and children, mothers and children, between husbands and wives, between church members, between bosses, between employees. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy that process. That's his ambition, to, to steal away love, to steal away compassion, to, to, to kill any desire we have for one another, to destroy anything that God has done. That's Satan's ambition. Christ said, I've come that you might have life, have it more abundantly. And then 1 Peter 5, 8, he says this. Peter says, be alert. (coughs) Watch out because your enemy, Satan, the devil, he roams around like a roaring lion, seeking that which he can devour. If you ever watch any of those shows on television and you you uh, see a, a scene in Africa or something and you you see a a lion and and she may be laying in the grass and there may be some gazelles just feet away and 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 she's waiting to attack and and they roam around looking for someone that they can attack and 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 Peter says be aware of that that, that Satan, he has but one desire for God's creation, and that's including you and me and the church, and, and his desire is this, to destroy us. That's, that's what he wants, and we need to be aware of that. Not only does he have ambition, this is where it gets dangerous, he has a strategy. You know, if you're doing anything in business or in the world today, in your job, you, you may have an ambition for something, and then you put a strategy together. That's what Satan has done. He, he has a strategy. He'll lie, cheat, steal. He'll use any means he can to gain control. He'll attack us from the front, from the side, from the rear. Uh, he'll attack us any way he can. 2 Corinthians uh, eleven fourteen says he'll even attack us from within. It says, even Satan can disguise himself to look like an angel of light. I mean, that's Satan's plan. Look how he attacked Adam and Eve. He told them, surely you'll not die. You'll become like God. Look how he attacked Jesus Christ. He said, if you'll just submit to me, I'm going to give you authority over all the world. All this place where, where I was cast down. Remember, Satan's the ruler of this world. He says, Jesus, if you'll submit to me, I'll give you authority over all this. I, I'll relinquish my authority to you. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. The bottom line is Satan's strategy is he wants you and me, he wants all of us to think that he is so right and he'll pledge and we pledge our allegiance to him and not follow God, then then he's gonna give us all of these things. And and that's Satan's plan. So Satan and his his entire army uh, along with his followers, they, they, have a, they have a plan, they have an ambition, and they have a strategy, and they're going to attack us as Christians. We need to be aware of that. Here's the environment of the battle. The environment, this battle is spiritual warfare. It says it's fought in heavenly places. So what does that mean for us? We, we're looking at this, it says there's a battle going on, and it's fought in heavenly places. <laughs> when we think of heaven, we, we generally think of the third heaven. If I say this morning, the heaven. Well, the Bible talks about three heavens. The third heaven is the place where God abides. And that, that in the Bible, it speaks of, of not only that third heaven. You know, Paul says, I was, I was there and the Holy Spirit came upon me and I was ushered into the third heaven. 
So there, the Bible talks about the first heaven is this. It's the earth and the things we see. So, so when the Bible talks about this, this, this visible universe, that's the first heaven. Those are the things that we see. When we look up and when we look around, that's the first heaven. The second heaven, that's the spiritual realm where these battles are being fought. Now stay with me this morning because I know this gets a little, uh, a little not confusing, but a little boring maybe even. I don't know, whatever it may be. But, but that second heaven is where Satan can approach God and, and he can has, ask permission to move. I remember Job, if y'all remember Job, and, and the Bible says that Satan came into the presence of God and said, what about my servant Job? Or, or Christ says, have you considered my servant Job? And, and at that point, that's when Satan said, if you just let me tempt Job, he'll turn from you anyway. That, that's that second heaven. And, and that level, spiritual warfare is taking place. That's, that's the kingdom of God. And he finds himself at odds with, with the ruler of this world, of this region, Satan. So that, those battles are going on this, in this second heaven that we think about. Now, I'm going to talk more about how that affects you and me. But let me give you a, a kind of an illustration of, of how we can relate to this. In Washington, D.C. sits Capitol Hill. And Capitol Hill, that's where Congress makes decisions that affect you and me. See, that would be the second heaven. That There's decisions, there's battles going on, and those battles affect you and me. It affects Christians, just like, just like the, the decisions Congress makes. It, it affects us. And, and on Capitol Hill, there's two parties out there. There's two main parties, and those two parties, they're vying for control. One party wants to lead a country, a country this way, and, and they have completely different philosophies than the other party, and they want to lead the country in a different direction. So on Capitol Hill, there sits these two parties, and, and in those two parties, they're, they're making decisions, they're jockeying for position, they're saying, here's my idea and here's what I want to do, and, and they're fighting against each other to control what you and I do. Well, that, that, that second heaven, that's what's taking place spiritually. There's a battle going on spiritually, and the battle is for you and me. And those things are going on. This is, you can turn, change these names either way you want, but I, I heard a story about these two congressmen standing there, and, and uh, the, the one Democrat commerce was talking to the Republican, and he said, why are you a Republican? Why would you be a Republican? And, and he said, well, my, my great-great-grandfather, they were Republicans. My grandparents were Republicans. My parents were Republicans, and I'm, I'm just kind of a Republican. I've just kind of grew up, in the, and the Democrat will say, well, what if your great-great-grandfather was, they were morons, and your, your grandfather was moron, and your father was a moron, what would that make you? He said, a Democrat. You know, so now that's not, that's not against any party, so don't, don't leave here thinking. You can change those if you'd like. But, but those parties... Those that are vying for our for the decisions that affect us. One party there is is a group of Democrats. One is a group of Republicans. They're they're at battle with each other, and and these spiritual battles. When we think about this, this heaven is is this place of Capitol Hill in our universe, and and those those decisions being made, those opposing forces, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, and and our party leader is Jesus Christ. When we're born again, He's our party leader. 
and, and he occupies the, the, the White House. He has the power to veto those decisions that are made there in these spiritual places. But still that battle's going on, and this one party is seeking to undermine and sabotage and, and destroy whatever's going on. Those who align themselves with Jesus Christ, that party's trying to destroy that. And, and some people, they decided to cast their vote for Satan. And as they cast their vote for Satan, they, they, they're, they're saying, you know what, we're going to spend eternity in hell. While others, they decide to cast their vote for Christ, and, and Christ says, we'll spend eternity in heaven. Nonetheless, every day while we remain on earth, we're, we're making those decisions. We're casting our votes to follow one group or follow another group. Here's the scary part. Even if you're a born-again Christian, even though you have been set apart by Christ, we can still live under Satan's rule. We can still allow Satan to, to have dominion in our lives. And, and every day... When we choose sin over righteousness, we're choosing to fall under Satan's rule instead of God's rule. So, so those battles go on every day. Here's how it works. First, there's, there's oppression. Everybody's oppressed, and that's, that's this, this battle. And then, then the next step is that there's obsession. People, people give Satan a foothold, and, and they become obsessed with something. And then through that obsession, there becomes, there becomes a, a, a progression. There becomes a progression to, to follow Satan. And, and Psalms 1 and 1 says this, blessed is the person who does not allow the advice of evil people or take the advice of wicked people, but they take the path of sinners or join in the company of mockers. He delights in the teaching of the Lord and reflects on his teachings day and night. Blessed is the person who does not follow the advice of those but he delights in the teaching of the Lord. That, that progression comes through and, and it's just a process. Remember, Satan has a plan. He has a process and he wants to move through. So with that, there's the essence of the battle. And we're, we're getting close to being through here this morning, but I want you to see a couple of more things. The essence of the battle is this. Ephesians six twelve. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So the battle is spiritual, it's not physical. Spiritual warfare is a conflict that's being waged in the invisible, but, but it's being manifested in the, in the spiritual today. Now, now, how can I explain this? I'm going to tell you a story. Some of you have heard this. Whether you believe it or not, it's true. And how do you know if something's true if you lived it? It's true. So, so this story is far out there. I, I don't tell many stories like this, and this has not happened to me but one time. But y'all know I was a youth minister for several years at a church at Fairview, and, and we would take our youth to Mexico on mission trips, to old Mexico. And, and uh, the first year that we went over there, we stayed in Mexico. We did a vacation Bible school, and and so there's a church there, and, and things are a lot different over there. For one thing, there's no air conditioner. Matter of fact, there's no windows, but there are wind places for windows, and there's no doors. And there's actually no floor. It's a dirt floor in this, the building. So, so we stayed, the youth group stayed there, and we stayed on a concrete slab out behind the church. We had cots and different things, and we, we had carried our suitcase and our luggage, and, and we had a... a uh, interpreter from the United States 
who was a, a Mexican, and he, was, he traveled back and forth, but he lived in the United States. And, and uh, so he would, in the evenings, when we got through, we'd all meet, and then he would go back home, and we'd stay over there and uh, just kind of entertain ourselves the rest of the evening. Well, one morning, he came in and said, well, something interesting happened last night. He said, uh, we were talking to some of the people outside of the church walls. Now, these, these churches, they had Haydock Block, walls built all the way around the church and in the front there was a big gate probably probably about from here to that wall that was just open it didn't have a swinging gate but to get to the church building you had to come in that way or the haydock block walls were probably seven or eight foot tall well we were talking to some of the people that lived around the church and they said well last night during the night there were some men and they they ran off and we stopped them and said what are y'all doing over here and they said, we came to rob those people. We were from the United States. Everybody knew, and, and we had made a, we had been going to all the schools in the town. They actually let us go into the schools and invite people to Bible school, and we had had a lot of families coming to the, and they said, we came to rob those people, but they had some big men guarding the gate, and it scared us off. Now, here's the thing. We didn't have no men. We didn't have anybody guarding the gate. Now, you, you may say, that's way out there. Well, that's the truth. You see what I'm saying? There's spiritual warfare being waged, and the results of that warfare are being manifested upon this earth. So when we, we heard that, we were amazed. We were a little afraid of what might happen, but then we realized, and that the, the preacher said, you know, that's the Holy Spirit of God protecting us and watching over us as we minister in Mexico, and, and for us to see and understand and see that, that there's, a, there's a war being waged, and for what was taking place, Satan was attacking not physically, but it's spiritually what was taking place there. So, so this battle, it's not, it's not physical, but it's spiritual. The, the battle is, has consequences in the physical every day. Everything we see in the physical and the visible, visible physical realm is caused, are provoked, are influenced by the spiritual realm. Now listen, Daniel four twenty six through thirty two. We're not going to read that, but it states that heaven rules over all the affairs of earth. Now, if you're listening, say I am, because this may be the most important thing that I say today. Until we address the spiritual causes of a problem. Until we address the spiritual causes of a problem, we'll never fix the physical effects of that same problem. Do you hear that? Until we address the spiritual causes of a problem, we'll never fix the physical effects. So a lot of times we have a problem, we try to fix the, the, the physical effects of that problem, whatever it may be. We say, well, physically, I'm, I'm dealing with this issue in my home, or I'm dealing with this issue in myself, or I'm dealing with this issue at work, and we try to fix the, the physical effects of that problem, but until we address it spiritually, we'll never fix it. Why is that? Because it's a physical battle. It's not a, I mean, it's a spiritual battle. It's not a physical battle. So we have to first fix that spiritual cause of the problem. And when we begin to fix that, that physical effects of that same problem we can start dealing with. The effects of the battle is this. Too many people, as I said a while ago, they're, they're hemorrhaging as a result of the spiritual conflict and they're, they've not put up the fight. And there's a couple of things we're going to see and I'm going to close. Where is this fight being waged? Personally, it's being waged against you personal. Personally, 
people that have given in to anger and lust and drunkenness and lying. And not, we could go on and on and on, but most of those things go back to self-seeking desires. That, that, way, that, that, that spiritual warfare has been waged at you personally. Now, when you think about all of those things we deal with and those self-seeking desires, where are those coming from? They're, they're something that we try to fix physically, but we're not going to repair them until we get spiritually right. Listen to this story. He wanted more money, so he parlayed an inheritance into a multi-billion dollar pile of assets. He wanted more fame, so he broke into Hollywood, the film scene, as a director and also as a star. He wanted more sensual pleasures, so he paid a handsome sums of money to indulge in every sexual urge. He wanted more thrills, so he built, designed, and piloted the fastest aircraft ever created in the world. He went to Las Vegas. He didn't want to get out and be a part of the people, so he bought the casino. He wanted more power, so he dealt secretly for political favors so skillfully that two U.S. presidents became his pawns. And then he wanted even more. He was absolutely convinced that the more the world would bring him, the more he would truly find satisfaction. Do y'all know who I'm talking about? Somebody does. Unfortunately, this is what history shows. Instead, he finished his life six foot four inches tall, 90 pounds, withered, colorless, sunken in chest, fingernails, and toenails grotesquely long. He never clipped them. They twisted and twirled around. Rotting black teeth, tumors, innumerable needle marks from a drug addiction. Dying, believing the myth that more would be enough. That was Howard Hughes. That's who that is. That, that's who that's talking about. And, and personally, Satan had attacked. And, and until he could fix that spiritual, he was never going to find satisfaction in the physical world. Satan attacks our, our family. He wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy your family. Do you know that? that? That's part of his plan right now, that he might destroy your family. He longs to create divisions and diversions within your family. He wants husbands to divorce wives, and he wants dysfunctional children, and he wants parents disenfranchised from their children, and, and he doesn't want your home to be a haven. He wants your home to be a hell, and he doesn't want selfless love. He wants to abandon selfless love for selfish lust and selfish different ideals make no mistake satan is trying to invade your home he he wants to destroy your home you personally your family he wants to destroy this church satan has a plan to to come into our church and to to separate us as a church he wants us to to be create divisions and disease and turn our hearts instead of outwardly turn our hearts inwardly and he wants us to to focus on our kingdom instead of the kingdom of god do y'all know what a scrum is you ever seen a scrum? I, I looked it up. I wish I'd have got Jeremy to put one on there. That, that's what they call football, which we know that's not football. But, you know, they, 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 they get out there. What is that called? Uh, they call it football. What do we call it? Rugby. Uh, rugby, you know. And, and what they do in rugby, they, they have a scrum. When, when something happens and the ball goes out of bounds or something, they, 
the, the teams get, get arm in arm and shoulder to shoulder and this team on this side and this team on this side and they all lean into each other and, and then they roll the ball in between them and, and the scrum is there and, and one team's trying to push the other team back and the other team's trying to push the other team back and, and finally they get pushed out and they roll the ball out and their, their teammate picks it up and then kicks it 100 yards. I don't know what the whole purpose of all that was, but, but, but that's what Satan wants our church to do. He wants us to be in a scrum all the time. This group pushing against this group and pushing back and pushing back and pushing back. And, and he wants us to focus on the bricks and the mortar. And he wants us to focus on all of these things except the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. And he attacks our church. He wants us to, to be close to the steeple but far away from the cross. That's Satan's plan for our church. And then in our culture... We could just go on and on. You know, Satan attacks our culture morally and ethically from every way, from every, from every angle. Here's Satan's plan. He wants us to think loving people, listen, he wants us to think loving people requires us to accept their sinfulness. Isn't that true? Think about that. He wants us to believe as Christians, loving people requires us to allow their sinfulness. Isn't that what the news tells us? If we, don't, if we don't accept people's sinfulness, what are we? We're unaccepting. We're, 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 we're phobias of some kind here or there. But, but we have to accept people for who they are. The Bible doesn't teach that. We have to love people, but we're to hate sin. See, that's Satan's plan. If he can soften that up. Just the other day, I was watching Good Morning America. It stays on our television at work in the break room. I was in there getting a cup of coffee, and, and they had Vice President Pence. And, and he made a statement that, that marriage was to be between a, a male and a female. That was how God intended it. They showed this little clip, and they built an hour poll, an hour show around propagating a homosexual lifestyle and saying how false that was and how could our vice president stand up and say something like that. See, that's Satan's plan. Hey, you can't say that. You need, to, you need to accept people just as they are. Well, we can love them just as they are, but we don't accept that sin. That's Satan's plan. So closing this morning, how do we have the energy? This morning you may just say, well, I'm, I'm already out of energy just thinking about it. I mean, you've talked about it. We're tired. We're, we're, we're in this battle, and I'm, I'm, I'm tired this morning already. In 2 Peter chapter 1, God tells us we have everything we need for a life of godliness. He tells us that. We, we, we already know that we have that. Here's how we can face that battle. We can be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. That's where we started this morning. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Over the next few weeks, we're going to investigate and have some ideas about our source of our energy that we might overcome the, uh, the evil one and Satan. Two things, problems. We have too many Christian civilians when we're looking for Christian soldiers. I believe that. And the other thing, we have too many Christian streakers. Y'all know what a streaker is? They're not that popular anymore. Boy, when I was growing up, you know, the old Ray Stevens had to streak, you know, and here he comes, nothing on but a smile, you know. And, and uh, we have too many Christians that are Christian streakers. They put on the helmet of salvation. That's it. They're not worried about the rest of the armor. They, they just streak around with the helmet of salvation and say, you know what, I'm saved, and that's good enough. 
But, but if we're in a battle, we need the full armor of God. We don't, we don't need to be Christian civilians. We need to be soldiers, and we don't need to be Christian streakers. We need to be those who are clothed with the garments of Christ and put on the full armor that God has for us. Father, this morning, I pray as we just reveal Satan for who he is, I believe with all of my heart he'll desire to attack this church and us knowing that we are the church, when we begin to dabble in his schemes, we begin to reveal Satan for who he is. I believe that he'll attack us. He'll, he'll try to get us in a scrum against one another. He'll try to get us focusing on the bricks and mortar instead of the cross and the blood of Christ. He'll give us all kind of opportunities. Father, we know in the strength of the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, we can overcome Lord, I pray that we'd be prepared for battle. Father, that we'd put on the full armor of God, that we would enlist in your army knowing that our struggles are not against physical effects, but, Father, we're battling against decisions made in heavenly places, against powers and principalities of this dark age. I pray, Lord, that we'd first get the spiritual right. And, Lord, as we get the spiritual right, we would understand and know that at that point, the physical becomes our focus. So, Lord, I pray today as we have an opportunity now through a time of invitation that your spirit would move in our heart and spiritually we would become right with you. Lord, we know through prayer, through the direction of your Holy Spirit, through the invitation time, we have an opportunity to, to come to you and, and Father, just to start that process of, of spiritually being healed. And I pray now that as we have the invitation that your spirit would move within our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.